Hey guys, thanks for listening to Crossover Event. The equipment and setup we used to record this episode was a little on the crude side, so you may hear the occasional echoing or various other minor issues. I don't think it makes the episode any less listenable, but I wanted to give you the heads up. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Crossover Event. This is a podcast where we take two intellectual properties and hash out a story for their crossover event. I'm Justin Peavy, and today I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest. Give it up for my daughter Zoe. Hi. (laughs) Hello. Full disclosure, Zoe's... (laughs) I think Zoe's a little nervous to be on a podcast. No. Not at all? Mm Mm-mm. Are you excited? Yeah. Great. Well, I'm kind of, I was kind of surprised uh, she heard about the podcast that I was doing and thought it sounded cool, and she wanted to try it out. So before we do all that, mm-hmm. let's tell the people listening a little bit about you and what you like. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. What kind of stuff are you into for entertainment? Um, I like movies and video games and TV shows. And, yeah. Can you be more vague, please? <laughs> um, yes. I like stuff on TV screen that I watch with my eyes. Okay. What are some of your favorite movies or TV shows or video games? Um, I guess my favorite... I could say my favorite movie genre. My favorite movie genre is either horror or comedy. I like both very equally. And favorite TV show? It may not... Actually, yes, it is my favorite TV show, and I'm currently re-watching it, which is Glee. Oh my gosh. And and another TV show that I'm watching for the first time with my father is <laughs> Third Rock from the Sun. Has that become one of your favorites, too? Yes. It's pretty funny. Well, what's maybe what's the funniest movie you've seen? You like comedies. Yeah, What do you I think do. is the funniest movie you've seen? The funniest movie I've seen? That's a hard question, because a lot of movies are very funny. Um, okay, well, I can think of one comedy, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, because I've just found out that it is on Peacock for free. Oh, really? Yes. Well, you know, there are two seasons of a TV show yes, for it that, that is we need true. to watch also. That, that is true. Okay. Well, are you ready to get into our crossover event? Yes, I am. Okay, so if this is your first time listening, just here's how it works. It's not too complicated. Zoe and I have each chosen an intellectual property ahead of time. That could be a movie, a TV show, a video game. It could even be more specific, like a character. It could be folklore. It could be a book, a song, any piece of pop culture uh, that tells a story. And we've each chosen one, and we're going to reveal them to each other right now. And then we're going to talk about what we like about them and maybe what we don't like. And then after that, after we have a handle on these two IPs, we're going to try to imagine what a crossover story for them would be like. So we've each written down our selection. We're going to reveal them to each other at the same time. Ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Wow. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um. So Zoe, go ahead and tell the audience (laughs) your choice. I chose Coraline. And... I chose Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. 
This is going to be very interesting. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about your choice first. Okay. So Coraline is is one of your favorite movies. Is yes. that fair to say? Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk about what you like about Coraline. I like, I like the concept, I think. It's very interesting to me. Okay, well, for anyone listening who has not seen Coraline, can you talk a little bit about the concept in the story? So, the, the basic concept is... You know, there's a girl, she's unhappy with her life, her name, her name is Coraline, she's very unhappy with her life, and she gets this doll out of nowhere, and it looks exactly like her, and then she finds Little Door, and Little Door leads to kind of another dimension, and there she has uh, her other mother and her other father, and it's basically like this perfect world for her. But she soon finds out that that world is not as perfect as it seems, and it's uh, actually a huge trap. Yeah, that's a pretty good summary of it. So when you say you like the concept, is it the concept of traveling to another world where nothing's quite as it seems? Yes. It looks perfect, but there's actually something dark behind it. Mm-hmm. Do you like Coraline as a character? I Yes, I do like Coraline as a character. What about Coraline do you like? I like her hair. Okay, well, her hair will be a huge part of the crossover yes, story. obviously. Okay. And? Is there anything about her personality that stands out to you? Yes. What? Her personality in general. Is there anything about Coraline that you don't really like? Something that you would not want to include in a story? I'm not sure if there's anything that I would definitely just not want to include at all. Okay. So everything's on the table for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, now let's talk about what I chose. And I chose this because I know Zoe is a huge fan as well. Yes. Of Napoleon Dynamite. Another another favorite for you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, when you were talking about comedy movies, I thought you might even mention it. So Napoleon Dynamite, for those of you who maybe haven't seen it, uh, it it's just basically about an awkward Mormon kid in the 90s. And and his uh, small group of weirdo friends and family. And I don't know, it's got a very unique feel to it. Um, it's the only movie where you'll laugh at someone who's upset because the tater tots they have in their pocket just got smushed. Yep. So um, for me, a huge draw of Napoleon Dynamite is the characters and Napoleon in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know which world this is going to get set in, if it's the world of Coraline or the world of Napoleon Dynamite, but either way, Napoleon himself definitely has to be a huge part of the story yeah. as far as I'm concerned. 100%. What do you think about Napoleon Dynamite? Is there anything that you want to mention specifically about it? Um, I, I say pretty much the same thing as you, just the, the characters. The characters are great and the characters are funny, but they're also kind of realistic in, in a way. But they're still funny. And that's what I like. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's let's start to get the big picture for our crossover. Okay. So I kind of look at these intellectual properties in two ways. Mm-hmm. There's the character, mm-hmm. and then there's the world they live in. Mm-hmm. And what we need to kind of do is kind of figure out for each of these intellectual properties... Do we want to focus on the character or do we want to focus on the world? For example, a Napoleon Dynamite 
Coraline crossover may mean it's the story of Coraline, mm-hmm. but with Napoleon Dynamite and his family and friends. You know what I mean? Maybe mm-hmm. Coraline, the character, doesn't even show up, but it could be a story where Napoleon finds the little door. That could be interesting. And finds a world where maybe he's not picked on and laughed at by everyone. Yeah. So that's just an idea mm-hmm. where a crossover may not necessarily include the characters from both. Mm-hmm. But if you feel really strongly about certain characters from Coraline or from Napoleon, let's make sure that they're in there. Mm-hmm. So let's think, let's think about what characters between these two things do we definitely want to include. I think, what do you think? Tell me what you think. Well, I have a feeling the same as you when I, I sort of asked you about Coraline as a character. And you said you liked her personality, but it was a little tough to put into words. Mm-hmm. And I think Coraline's got a good head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. She's kind of brave. Mm-hmm. And those are good. Um, those are good traits to have, especially if our story is going to involve any sense of danger or peril. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't really describe Napoleon as brave. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking... Both of the main characters of these need to be in the story. I think Coraline's gonna bring gonna be the brave character that pulls them through the story and gets yeah. everything done. And Napoleon's gonna be there basically quaking in his shoes and being the the comic relief for the story. That's assuming they're teaming up. Yeah. I don't know. In in your version of the story, would you rather see Coraline and Napoleon team up or be rivals? I like to see them team up because I think that'd be interesting. I agree. I, 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 like I was saying, I can see a story where Coraline is almost dragging Napoleon through it. Mm-hmm. Like Napoleon doesn't even really want to do it, even if he thinks it might be a chance to show off some of his sweet skills. Yeah, we know he doesn't really have any skills. So okay, so we've got we've got Coraline and Napoleon teaming up to face some sort of adventure or challenge. Mm-hmm. I guess the question of t- uh, for the type of challenge that they're going to face is which of these two worlds it would be better to put them in. I think they're both very great worlds. And I think the the Coraline world has more opportunities, but also the Napoleon Dynamite world is very much like more realistic mm-hmm. because the Coraline world is not realistic at all. That's true. Well, we can take a second to kind of weigh each one. Let's mm-hmm. think about if these two characters were in the real world, as you put it, in Napoleon's mm-hmm. town, we would have to ask ourselves, first of all, how, how would Coraline get into that world? Yeah. And two, what sort of danger or adventure could exist in that world that Coraline would need to drag Napoleon through? Uh, how, how Coraline gets in, not sure. Mm-hmm. And um, what kind of adventure, I'm also not sure. Okay. I, yeah, I think, I'm not ruling it out, but I think it would be tougher to, to set some sort of real adventure story in Napoleon's world. Yeah. I think it would be easier in Coraline's world because Coraline's world is a fantasy world. Yes. So there is the challenge of how does Napoleon get into the fantasy world, but like I said, I think an, I think an easy an easy answer to that is if he finds a little door mm-hmm. that just completely takes him out of his world and goes into Coraline's. Mm-hmm. And what actually could even be cool is 
if you were to think about this like it like realistically napoleon dynamite the movie came out in 2004 yes and so that was almost 20 years ago at this point so john heater the actor he can't really play napoleon in real life anymore but what if you just had a first scene where he was like de-aged mm-hmm. and then he got went through this door and then bam he's stop motion animation I like that. And John Heater can still voice him, but we don't have to worry about him looking mm-hmm. like he's 40. Yeah. So that's something neat. So we could basically take Napoleon into the stop motion world of Coraline and maybe even into the, what's the dimension called? This other world, like the button world or whatever? I'm not sure it has a name. I think it's just like the other world or something. Okay. So if that's the direction we're going, what do you think about the idea of Napoleon going into this other world where it's all the button-eyed people, right? Mm -hmm. So in Coraline, all of these other world versions of the characters have buttons for eyes because Mm -hmm. they're kind of like, quote-unquote, living dolls Mm -hmm. that are perfect versions. And so... Maybe Napoleon is entering the other world version of his town. Mm-hmm. And there's his bro- <laughs> his sort of jerky, dorky brother, Kip, mm-hmm. with button eyes, and Grandma with button eyes, and <laughs> uh, Tina the Llama with button yes. eyes. And he's basically going to be able to, at least for a little bit, enjoy his, what his idea of a perfect version of his life is. So... You tell me, imagine that. Imagine Napoleon gets the perfect version of his life. What do you think that looks like? If everyone was his living doll, mm-hmm. how do you think everyone would act or, or behave with him? I think everyone would like him. Everyone everyone would be like, hey, Napoleon, you're awesome. Blah, 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 blah. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know... Just stuff like that. So everyone would just... He, he would be everyone's best friend at school. Yeah. Um, his brother and mm-hmm. R- Rico, Uncle Rico, <laughs> w- wouldn't pick on him. Uh-huh. He would he would be kind of treated a little bit like royalty. Yeah. Um, I feel like... I think, Zoe, you and I are maybe the only people on the planet who have seen the entire Napoleon Dynamite cartoon series. Mm-hmm. I think so. But that cartoon had some fantasy sequences, which is something that never happens in the movie. But Napoleon could fantasize a little bit and just imagine things. And so I'm just trying to think about, you know, kind of the button world version of that, where Mm -hmm. he's a hero at school. Maybe he's class president. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And... What could be interesting is there at his school, there could be a new student, mm-hmm. and it's Coraline. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. And what we find out that Coraline's really there because she's aware of these mm-hmm. other worlds, these button worlds, and she's, she's kind of taken on a little mission of, like, taking them out. Yeah. So the villain in the Coraline movie was the other mother. Can you kind of explain that a little bit what other mother is or how that works exactly why she wanted Coraline uh the other mother she she's trapping all these children because she wants to eat them okay 
which is true. And she wants to she wants to eat them because I'm pretty sure that's the only way she will survive. And girls gotta eat. Yeah. And I don't think she has like an official, like actual form, at least not shown, when she's not uh, acting as somebody else's like mother or you know something related to them. So she like a creature or monster that just that just takes form the yes. other forms, right? Yes. Okay. So who is the character in Napoleon's life that this creature would want to pose as? There are a lot of people mm-hmm. that that uh I guess it could pose as. Um Yeah, I'm not really sure there's an official one. Who do you think? So I think it has to be someone that it can get the closest to Napoleon. Yes. So to me that means either the person that Napoleon likes the most mm-hmm. or the person whose respect Napoleon is trying to earn the most. Yes. Is there someone that fits either of those categories? Like someone that Napoleon really looks up to or someone that Napoleon really just likes? You know, like a crush or something like that. I think there's an option on the crush side, which is Tina. Mm-hmm. Not Tina. Um, Tina's the, the llama. <laughs> um, the girl who takes the pictures. Oh, yeah. What's her name? Deb. Okay. So on the crush side of Napoleon's psyche, uh, there's Deb. Deb's his crush. I think at the end of the movie, they end up dancing together at the school dance. Mm -hmm. And so there's sort of an implication of romance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether or not they get together at the end of the movie, I think we can say Deb is someone that Napoleon likes. Yes. And would be an interesting character to be revealed to be the villain. Definitely. But I'm just making that assumption. Would you, in your crossover story, would you want it to be, like, r- literally the same setup as Coraline? Like, it's the same creature that's, like, trying to, mm-hmm. I guess, entrap and, and eat Napoleon? Do you like the idea of it's the same villain and Coraline's yeah. coming in to save other kids from this same creature? Yeah, I like that. Okay. I think Coraline's challenge is, A, she's going to have to convince Napoleon that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And B, she's going to have to try to figure out who it is. Who is the other version that's basically pulling all the strings, right? Mm-hmm. So she's got to figure out who it is and try to convince Napoleon that it's even happening in the first place. In Coraline, when she goes into this other world, does she does she ever come out of it and like does she go in and out of it or does she just stay in it? Uh, she does go in and out of it, and it's whenever she goes to bed, she goes back to the uh, her normal world. So every day she has to choose to go back into. I think she goes back to she goes back every night, but that could also uh, that could technically happen whenever. Just in Coraline's case, she goes only, like, during the night because that's uh, only, like, when the when one little door works for her. Is at night? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I guess it would be the same for Napoleon. Mm-hmm. So, he's going to be coming in and out of this world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, how do you think being in that world, how do you think that will affect the way he acts or feels when he goes back to the regular world during the day? Do you think he tries to tell anybody about this other world, or do you think he 
keeps it to himself and like just gets bitter about gets even more bitter about the people who pick on him because he knows there's sort of this paradise waiting for him how, how do you think he would act i think the last one you said he just gets a he, he keeps it to himself he's really bitter uh he he's you know as what you what what you said okay does he you don't think he even tells pedro or deb he might if he does tell anyone it's got to be either pedro or deb and pretty much no one else i think there could be a funny scene where he tries to tell kip mm-hmm. and kip just you know it's just like napoleon <laughs> there's no such thing as parallel dimensions <laughs> yeah. you know and just kind of so it'd be hard to convince anybody of that and i think what could be interesting is you know there was like that sort of spark of romance at the end of the first napoleon movie but what if in our story Deb is kind of more like, oh, you know, I just I just like you as a friend, Napoleon. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of motivates him even more to want to keep going back into go through the little door. Mm-hmm. Because in that world, Deb does like him. You know, he like he basically can have his his girlfriend. Yeah. I I like that. E- either that or maybe Deb doesn't even say that. He's just too afraid to in the real world, he's just too afraid to uh make it happen mm-hmm. but in the other world deb is the one who's kind of being like aggressive like she's kind of the one saying like yes i want to be your girlfriend mm-hmm. so it's that's just an easier life for him yeah okay so far so good mm-hmm. okay so far so great all right so i think we have the basics of the story i guess the part that we're missing is how Coraline and Napoleon, their relationship, like how they, how they get along, or how they work together, and what is the, what is the part of the story where they are where Coraline is convincing Napoleon that this world is not as good as it seems, and then ultimately they have to like unravel the plot of mm-hmm. of the creature or the monster. I know that was a lot to throw out at you. Yeah. Well, let's just start at the beginning then. Okay. So we know Coraline mm-hmm. is the is basically going to be the only other person in this button world who acknowledges to Napoleon, like, hey, I know this isn't the real world. I know this is basically a fantasy world designed for you. And, and Napoleon says, yeah, it's freaking sweet. Um, and she's trying to convince him that, like, as great as it seems, there's actually something sinister happening under the surface. So, how do you imagine? Because Napoleon's not going to believe that, or he mm-hmm. definitely doesn't want to believe that because he wants his perfect, perfect world. Yeah. So, what kinds of things might she do to convince him? I'm not sure. Well, let's think about the Coraline movie. How does Coraline uh-huh. figure out that things are not as perfect as they seem? A cat. A talking cat. A talking cat tells her? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And, and, and then, and, oh, and then he sh- shows her. How does he show her? Because, basically, the other mother only creates, uh, like, the space that she knows Coraline is only going to pay attention to. And so... Pretty much, the cat just shows Coraline that, you know, out of, like, uh, 
outside of this, there's nothing. So he just walks her around, and there's just a white void. And then eventually, she comes back to that space where she began to walk. Okay. And that, I think, pretty much... Con- I, 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 well, I don't know if it convinces her. I'm not quite sure what convinces her. Well, there you we could certainly do a version of that where Coraline basically just grabs Napoleon by the hand, yeah, and runs him out of town, or uh, maybe they're 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 bicycling or or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, you could do a version of that scene to show that there's nothing outside of this town, yeah. So once Napoleon is convinced, they start to figure out who is the character that is the mastermind. Mm-hmm. And so, again, in the Coraline movie, how does Coraline figure out that the, the other mother is the mastermind? Does she figure it out, or is it revealed to her? The cat. The cat tells her? The cat tells how her. How does the cat know all this stuff? <laughs> I think because the cat has been has just been going to this other world, and he's been watching uh, what the other mother does to all, does to all of these kids. And I think that's how he knows. Okay. So I think what we could do is another way we could help convince Napoleon is if that cat is coming with Coraline, mm-hmm. is the cat still like alive and friends with Coraline by the end of the movie? I think so. Because I think the reveal is, yes, he, he is. Because um, Coraline throws the cat at the other mother to get, uh, because you know the other mother is terrified of cats. Okay. And so she she throws the cat at the other mother, uh, and then goes back through tiny door back to her normal dimension. Okay. So we could possibly include the cat because mm-hmm. I think seeing a talking cat also would convince Napoleon that maybe I don't know. He might just write that off as part of just this sort yeah. of fantasy world that that he's been living in, but. I think the cat can definitely come into play because that can be how we reveal that Deb is the villain. Yeah. That other Deb is the villain. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the cat... I think what we can do is establish in the real world that maybe Deb has a cat or loves cats or, like, Mm -hmm. finds a cat on the side of the road. You know, just something where she has a connection to a cat. Mm Mm-hmm. But then in, like, Button World, other Deb freaks out when Coraline's cat is around. Ooh, yeah, I like that. And so that could be sort of the reveal of like, oh no, it's other Deb. She's the <laughs> one who's pulling the strings. And what's in, what's neat about that is at that point, Napoleon has to really come to terms with like, gr- like the girl, kind of the girl of his dreams. Kind of literally at this point, the girl of his dreams. <laughs> yeah. But she's, the, the person that he keeps going into this world for is also the same person who is going to betray him basically mm-hmm. so is there any type of fight that can take place with between napoleon and Coraline and other deb what sort of what sort of final battle do they have well you know in Coraline, it's uh Coraline's just trying to like get out of this other world and you know the other mother is is there and uh she's trying to prevent Coraline from coming it from coming out of the world it, but like Coraline keeps insisting, so it could, it could be something like that. Is there some sort of climax in Coraline where other mother like takes a big, grand, scary stand to try to keep Coraline in there? 
Yeah. Okay. The the fight I was just describing is actually probably that. Yeah. It's it's at the very end of the movie. Where does it take place? It's uh it takes place in like I guess what I should call the like the other house. Coraline's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Except in the. But in the yes the other. And, and basically Coraline's just trying to get out to go to her normal world. And you know the other mother just happens to be there, and then you know. I think what what really, you know, what really triggers the other mother is, you know, Coraline's just like, I need to get out of here, like, just let me out. And, you know, uh, the other mother gets really mad at this, and she's just like, apologize, that's no way to speak to your mother, blah, blah, blah. And, and she grows into this, like, really tall, thin uh, version of the, of, like, the other mother, except, you know, she's really scary now. Mm-hmm. And, and, um... How does that showdown end? Does Coraline just run from this other mother? No. So what happens is the other mother's button eyes uh, gets teared out by the cat because Coraline throws the cat at the other mother. So removing the button eyes is how you defeat her? Uh, not quite. Okay. We finish that. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. And, and so basically the other mother is now blind and the floor pretty much like collapses to reveal like a white void and there's like a, a big web in the middle and you know uh Coraline and the other mother get, get kind of trapped in the web and Coraline crawls out and you know so Coraline ends up like opening a tiny door and she almost gets out but the other mother's hand gets like snapped off while she's trying to close the door and oh, okay. so the like, other mother puts her hand through the door and it gets snapped off, mm-hmm. and uh, now her hand is, like, you know, in there with Coraline. And at first, Coraline thinks, just like, oh, okay, her hand has been torn off, so she's probably dead now. And so Coraline goes off to her other world, but then, like, the hand starts attacking her, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then eventually, you know, Coraline get, gets back to her normal world, and everything is fine. Okay. So that's good that basically it sounds like from the end of Coraline, the other mother creature is still out there. Yeah. So it's totally valid to to imagine, well, Coraline got away, but this creature is still mm-hmm. doing this thing. Yeah. Okay. So once we reveal that other Deb is the villain and there's a similar showdown... Coraline and Napoleon are fighting other dead. Other other dead probably transforms into something a little more, a more intimidating form. Mm -hmm. And maybe is manipulating the environment around them a little bit. Where would this take place? Would this take place like at school, at Napoleon's house? Where do you think is a good setting for that showdown? A good setting. Um, It could happen at um a lot of places and you know uh all the other all the other all the other other people are and you know, the other father is just revealed to be like a, a pumpkin that the other mother turned to life oh interesting okay so as this battle's going on napoleon can be looking around and all all these people that are in his life mm-hmm. with the other versions of them he watches them turn into things yeah what would what would Pedro turn into? Uh, he would turn into a bicycle. 
that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Because that's like the cool thing he has in the movie, right? You turn into a bicycle. Okay. Well, I've got a really important question before we lose sight of it. Mm-hmm. Um, where is Rex in all this story? And for those of you who don't know, in, in Napoleon Dynamite, Rex is like a Taekwondo instructor. Oh, okay. But he's invented his own martial art <laughs> called Rex Kwondo that is absolutely terrible. But I feel like he he's a very important character. I've got to have him in this crossover. Yeah. He's very he's a very important character. I feel like he would just just like turn into an American flag. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In the in in the movie he I think doesn't he wear like American flag pants? Constantly. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So maybe this showdown is happening at school. Mhm. Um, they can be kind of like, I can almost see them like running through hallways and th- there can be these, this sort of like labyrinthy lock, you know, like a, a hallway of lockers sort of turns into this sort of maze type thing. And mm-hmm. It's just going all, all super fantastical and everything. In fact, I wonder if the, the, w- the way they get out, like the little door is actually Nap- Napoleon's locker. That's what I was thinking. When yeah. he started describing that, I was like, okay, maybe he just gets in through his locker or something if they're having this fight at school. Yeah, that's cool. So it sounds to me like, so. well, I guess what we should decide is do they, do they defeat other Deb or do they just merely escape the way Coraline did? They'll probably uh, just escape the way Coraline did because... From from what I got from the first movie, like, at this point, uh, like, she got her eyes torn out, you know, all that stuff, and she's still alive. So I'm thinking maybe this other, uh, this other mother or this, this other thing is kind of, kind of immortal. Mm-hmm. And the only way she can die is, like, starvation from not eating children. I think what could be neat is, like... Something where, like, Coraline and the cat are like, oh, well, we know how to stop her. Mm-hmm. And they get her eyes out. Mm-hmm. They get the, the buttons off. Mm-hmm. But under the buttons are, like, pins. Mm-hmm. Like the needles with the little balls in the end. Yeah. What if they rip the buttons off and she's got, like, pin eyes? So it's like, you Ooh. can never... Because she learned her lesson from, from dealing with Coraline. So she can never quite be blinded. So then she's got these tiny little, like, beady eyes. Definitely. And can still see and chase them and... And maybe they they finally make it to Napoleon's locker and they and they get out. Does that bring Coraline into the real world, or does Coraline maybe stay behind and say, "I got this. I know my way out." Napoleon, you go, and Napoleon escapes while Coraline stays behind, taking care of other Deb. And doing that would kind of leave Napoleon to wonder whether or not she succeeded. But as an audience, maybe we feel like, well, Coraline knows how to take care of this. Mm-hmm. What do you? Th- I don't know. What do you think? I think both could be. I think just bringing Coraline in Coraline into Napoleon's world could could be especially interesting. But I think there would be no reason to bring Coraline in, into his world. Do you think it's a better story choice for her to? for lack of a better term, to kind of sacrifice herself in yeah. quotes. Because mm-hmm. I don't think it's really a sacrifice because we as an audience know that Coraline's more than capable. Mm-hmm. But that kind of gives her that sort of brave, heroic ending to yeah. the story. 
And what Napoleon gets out of this whole adventure is he learns to appreciate the real world and and the people in it, mm-hmm. and to uh, and to kind of take control of his own world. You know, if he's if he's not happy with the relationships he has, or he's not happy with the way things are, he's kind of learned that he's the one pulling his own strings in the real world. No one's manipulating him in the real world. He's yeah. able to make the life and the relationships he wants. And maybe maybe the ending of that story for, for Napoleon is finally having the guts yes. to walk up to Deb. I love that. Okay. And ask her to go out for a milkshake or something. That's exactly what he's going to do. Okay. Um, is that our crossover story? I th- I think so. Want, should, should I do a quick recap? Yes. Let's just kind of hear where the story's at. Okay, so our, our story starts with Napoleon in his daily routine, and he's feeling especially there, put down. Go there, ahead. There's one thing I was thinking. Does Coraline have button eyes in this world or not? Because everyone else in this world has button eyes. So just, and, and, you know, she's, you know, presumably in, like a new student. Mm-hmm. At, at his school so does she have button eyes or not that's a good question and here's what here's what i think she's in disguise in this world mm-hmm. because other deb slash whatever creature that is would recognize Coraline. yeah so you know Coraline has to pull napoleon away in pri- in private times to 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 talk and she can be wearing buttons mm-hmm. so that i think Maybe the first way that she starts to convince Napoleon that there's something going on or whatever. Or maybe we, that's when we reveal to the audience that it's Coraline. It's some, some character. Maybe like we think it's Summer Wheatley or like just like another oh, yeah. character in the Napoleon world. And that, you know, they, they get around a corner to themselves and she like pulls off a wig and pops off fake button eyes. And it's like, okay, my name's really Coraline and I'm here to save you. I like that. Okay. All right, so that, we'll, that answers my question very so well. So she's got a disguise so that the 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 creature doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't figure out what's going on. Okay, so our story is basically it opens on Napoleon in his real real world in his day to day life, and he's definitely not feeling himself. Um, he's still getting picked on at school. No one thinks he's cool, even even after that dance number that he did. <laughs> Um, he's still getting picked on. He's still too shy to ask Deb out. His his brother, maybe his brother doesn't even live at home anymore. You know, he marries LaFonda in the, in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, did he move off with LaFonda or did LaFonda move in? And Napoleon's feeling even more alienated at home because Kip's happy with his new wife. And, you know, so he doesn't really have like his buddy at home either. So anyway, one so Napoleon's feeling down in the dumps in general, and one night he finds the little door. I don't know where he finds it. Locker. But why would he? Okay, so why would he be at his school at night? Oh yeah, that's fair. I think the little door for Coraline was just in like a a rand, a random room of her house. I think I might be wrong. I think it might have been even in the living room, just like behind a couch or something. 
Okay. But I'm not I'm not completely sure, so you know, podcast listeners don't quote me on that. Okay, so one night Napoleon's maybe Napoleon is, was told to clean out the basement or something. And he's and he finds the little door and he goes through it and he's transported to the other world, what we'll call the button world. Mm-hmm. This is a, a version of of his world where it's the same people, the same town and everything, but it's stop motion. It's it's in the stop motion Coraline style when he's in this world. And everyone has buttons for eyes because again, they're like living dolls. They're basically dolls created to be the idealized versions. And uh, in this world, uh, Napoleon's big man on campus. Um, His family just heaps love and adoration on him. And most importantly to him, Deb is, in this world, maybe already even his girlfriend. Mm, yeah. Maybe he didn't even have to have the bravery to ask her out in this world. They're just already together. Mm-hmm. And so Napoleon keeps uh, visiting this idealized world at night. Um, maybe there's a little bit of foreshadowing every now and then. The audience mm-hmm. gets a little glimpse that things are not quite as perfect as they seem. But one, But one day especially... One of the students is able to to kind of corner Napoleon alone and rips off her disguise. She pulls off her wig. She pulls off these fake pop-on button eyes, and she says, I'm not really who you think I am. I'm actually Coraline, and I'm here to save you from this creature that I've done battle, battle with before. And Napoleon says, nah, I don't... Maybe he believes her, but he really doesn't want to, so he's at least... He's in denial, uh, because this is this is the world this is a world that he, he really likes, so he and Coraline over over a couple of days have this sort of like reluctant friendship. Like Coraline just will not leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Napoleon kind of wants her to go away at first, but she will not leave him alone. So he's like, oh, fine. And so they're kind of working the case a little bit. And one day, as Coraline and Napoleon are alone. Someone starts coming. Someone starts coming towards them. Coraline pops her disguise on just in time, but it's them and it's other Deb, and uh, Coraline's, and she has a terrible reaction to Coraline's cat, and that seems really fishy because Napoleon knows that in the real world, Deb loves cats. Deb recently adopted a cat or whatever, so that's how Napoleon knows. Okay. Now something's really fishy. And so Deb, other Deb is revealed to be the puppet master who's trying to, who's trying to make a meal out of Napoleon. So Coraline and Napoleon are running from the morphed into a scarier uh, <laughs> body type, whatever, other Deb. They're running down the school hallway. The hallway is sort of turning into this spirally, phantasmic, crazy world. Um, As they're running, all of these familiar faces, uh, all of Napoleon's classmates are turning into things. Pedro turns into a bicycle. Summer turns into a volleyball or, you know, whatever, all these crazy things. And at the end of the, the hallway, they can see that Napoleon's locker has become the little door. And Coraline encourages Napoleon to just make a run for it. I'll hold off other Deb. You go. Don't worry about me. I know what I'm doing. 
And so Napoleon's a little hesitant to just leave Coraline there, but ultimately he does. And he makes it to the door and he gets out back into the real world. And he and the audience kind of have to wonder whether Coraline made it out of her situation okay. I think in our hearts we know she did. Of course she did. So now Napoleon has learned that his life is what he makes of it, that there is no other version of anyone. There is no puppet master in the real world. Mm-hmm. He can take pride in himself and and control his own destiny. And our story ends with a more confident Napoleon asking Deb out on a date for milkshakes. And that is the end of our crossover event. I, I think this would be a beautiful crossover. I think so too. Let me ask you this. When we first revealed our choices, did you think there was any way at all we were going to figure out how to do a story? No. No? <laughs> no. I think we did it, though. Me too. The only, the only thing I have to add, and maybe it's not super important to the story, but I'll be devastated if it's not in our story, is a scene where Napoleon tries to teach Coraline how to dance. That's that that'll be completely necessary to Absolutely the story. Necessary. Okay. Do you think there's any sort of post credit scene that would be good? Just as a little a little tease or a little joke um, or anything like that? Or or do you feel like it kind of ended in the perfect spot and there's no need for more? I think it ended in the perfect spot. I think so too. maybe there's a way to do some sort of cutesy joke at the end. You know what I just thought of? Hmm. It's so funny. We'd have to go back and weave this in, but, you know, Deb is kind of crafty. Like, she yeah. makes bracelets and keychains and stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe a fun post credit scene is, um, you know, they're just hanging out and Deb's, like, making a craft. And Napoleon, like, knocks over um, her little, like, craft box. And these, like, two buttons kind of, like, roll out and land perfectly. <laughs> and they kind of look like button eyes. And it kind of freaks Napoleon out for a second. And then that's just it. That's our little, like, silly post-credit scene. I love that. Do you? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there you have it. There is our Coraline (laughs) Napoleon Dynamite crossover event. I think Zoe's pretty happy with how things turned out. Definitely. But we want to know how you think it turned out. Reach out to us on Twitter at CrossoverEventX. Let us know what your favorite parts were, what you didn't like. And as you were listening to the story, was there any part where you're like, oh, I know, I know, and you had something that you totally would have added to the story? And you can even let us know who you think might make a good guest for the show. And if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more crossover events, subscribe to us wherever you found this podcast, because we're going to be turning out all sorts of crazy (laughs) crossover stories that no one in their wildest dreams would have ever (laughs) thought to do. So... Thank you again to my wonderful daughter, Zoe, for participating in this episode. Of, of course. Yes. Well, not like you had a choice. No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> I'm Justin PV. I will catch you guys on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.